got a number of things going on, and I want to fill you in, and, and I've been praying about how much to share and when to share and so on and so forth, and just a, a lot of amazing things, opportunities on not, not, not just the horizon anymore, they're here. Uh, we're in the middle of it. And uh, it continues to, to come from the, uh, from the mission trip, part, parts of it from the mission trip, and also parts that have been actually in the work for over a year. Um, with the mission trip, I shared last week, uh, I believe, that, that the, uh, the men in Sikihid have started having services in Karchi's yard. And uh, did I share that last week? Yeah. And uh, the first Wednesday night, 200 people showed up. And uh, the next Sunday morning, 100 people showed up in his garden, standing in his garden. Uh, trampled his garden, actually. Uh, but uh, that's a whole other story. But since then, they have decided, they feel led to build a building. Because they said winter's coming, they need to have a place to, to, uh, to have the service. And, uh, you know, you might... There's already the building that we had been using, that the church had been using, but that's not available. They, they can't use that. They've, uh, if, if for you know, all intents and purposes, have been kicked out of that building, and we're not going to push back in. They don't feel led to say, you know, no, this is our building, and to, to literally, they'd have to fight for it. You know what? We'll, just, we'll, we'll, do, uh, we'll, we'll serve the people the way God wants to serve the people. Um, this week, there was another testimony about God's working this stuff out. He's going to take care of those guys, and they're, he's going to take care of what's happening there. If you remember the testimony, uh, what happened was on the last day we, that we were there, there was a riot. And uh, um, literally, the, the church got, the, the people who were, who were really the church got kicked out, pushed out the door. There was a fight. Um, you know, it's, it's very much, I read the, the, uh, the account of Paul in Jerusalem to the team that, at lunch that day and said we were in good company, you know, that a riot broke out and there was false accusations and all those sort of things. Well, that happened to Paul too. And what did he do? He just went somewhere else and started preaching. If they won't accept the word, then, then he needs, you know, you go somewhere else. And so um, that church continues to go on. Except uh, I've seen pictures of their services. I don't recognize a single person there. I have no idea who those people, who they are, where they came from, and so on and so forth. Um, this last week, they uh, put on their Facebook, the, the people that are in that church now, put on their Facebook, look what God is doing. We're going to be baptizing 17 people this week. Look what God is doing. No, this is of the, the church that kicked everybody else out. And... Marta had seen that, and she, she translated it for me. She goes, yeah, they, they said that there's going to be uh, a baptism. In the middle of this week, Karchi's wife was at home, and the people that were on the trip know, you know, remember Karchi's wife, was at home working, and all of a sudden she hears somebody running down the road screaming her name. And it's uh, Izika? Gizzy. Gizzy. They should just have a name like Betty or something. That'd be a lot easier to remember. <laughs> Gizzy, Gizika. And they hear, she hears this, this woman running down the street, screaming, you know, yelling her name, Gizika, Gizika, comes running, runs into the, the yard, and Gizika runs out into the yard. She goes, what is the matter? And she goes, you have to pray for me. You have to pray for me right now. And she said, why? 
And she said, I had a dream last night. And in this dream, she said, she goes, seven of my family were going to be the ones being baptized in that church. And she said, last night I had a dream and Jesus came to me and told me, do not get baptized in that church. She said, I woke up scared to death. She goes, I ran to the, to the church. I told the people that were there, we're not getting baptized, none of us. And they said, who talked you out of it? Making accusations. They said, who talked you out of it? And she said, Jesus did. So she goes, then she went to Gizika and says, please pray for me. She goes, she goes we can't do that. Whatever, whatever's going on there, God won't let us be a part of that church anymore. So God is working this stuff out step by step. He's, it's, it's not fun. It's not, a, you know, it's not one of those things where you want these sort of things to happen, but God's working it out. God's making it happen. So they're looking at building a building and uh, uh, having church there by this winter. That's their goal. And they, uh, it was interesting, the way we found out that they were, they, they were already in the process of going to build the building. They, weren't, they hadn't even told Dan and Marta. Aunt Marta called over there, and, and they weren't home, and she was talking to one of, the, one of the girls, one of the daughters, and said, where are your parents? She said, they're selling one of the pigs. And they said, why are, why are they selling the pig? And she said, they need, we need money to build the, to build the church building. They're going to lay the foundation. They're going to sell the pig, and they're going to use the money to, to lay the foundation. And Marta said, when they get home, tell them to call me. When they got home, they called and Marta said, do not sell your pig. Not for this. And they said, but what are we going to do? People are standing out in the elements. It's still 105 over there, 106 degrees over there every day. And they said, we need a building. Marta goes, that's fine, relax. They're still gypsy. They still get a little impulsive sometimes and, and want to make things happen. Like here? Yeah. Oh, like Peter, yeah. Like here, too. There's people that, you know, like... And... But at least their heart is right. Their heart is right that, that they weren't going to use it to, to spend the money on themselves. They weren't going to spend the money on, on something for today, you know, just, just for them. They were looking towards wanting to serve the people. So plans are being made. There's all kinds of options that are still being uh, worked towards. But it's on our heart to help them build that building. Now, what does that mean? It could mean a lot of things. One is financially. We already, at this point... The, the, the estimated cost of a new building would be $10,000. Um, in this last week, there's already been 4000 raised. People coming and saying, I will, I will give X amount. Somebody else came and says, God, God uh, led me to, to give this amount. And they didn't even know about it until that day. Until, until I mean, it was just God. It was God how it all came together. Couldn't, can't tell the whole story. So 40% of it's already raised. It might mean a trip. A work trip this fall to, to lay some block. We don't know. We'll see. We'll one step at a time. But I want to put it in your hearts to, to begin to pray about it, to see what God wants to do. <clears throat> this morning, as I was thinking about it and praying about how, how to share this and how much to share, I felt like the Lord wanted me to say this. We are an apostolic church. It's who we are. What is apostolic? Apostolic are sent ones. Ones who are sent somewhere else to do something. Pastor Dan and Claudia started this church 25 years ago this coming March. 25 years. Do you realize it's, that we've been around that long? I know the mans know that we've been around that long. 
But ever since Pastor Dan and Claudia started that church, it's always been an apostolic church. Been a part of, of being sent into other parts of the world and doing what God leads us to do. And it's a call that was, will continue on. Had no plans to, to, to do another work trip this fall or, or anything like that, or especially to build a church. But if that's, if that's what God wants us to do, we'll do it. And he'll provide. He'll provide. How is he going to provide? We'll have to watch and see. Amen? So that's one, one thing that's been going on and has been uh, progressing over the last couple of weeks. And, and I want to at least put it in our heart, be praying about it, see what God would say to you, see how God is leading us as we go that direction. The other thing is something that's been working, been in the works for over a year. Pastor Pavel in Belarus has uh, had it on his heart for a number of years now to begin to go out into, into Western Europe and preach to Slavic-speaking people in Western Europe, Germany, England, uh, Switzerland, so on and so forth. And he's been praying about it, he's been praying about it, and he had not acted upon it, much unlike Peter. He wasn't being, he wasn't being uh, spontaneous, or not spontaneous, what is it, uh, impulsive. He was just seeking God and seeking God. Last May, when Brian and I and some others were in uh, the Ukraine, he shared it with me that that was his vision, that God's been speaking to him, and he wanted us to pray with him and just, you know, ask us what we thought of it, and it's, you know, it's God. It definitely is God to lead in that direction. And so last August, right about this time, there was a conference in Europe, in Germany, and I remembered that the pastor of the church that, uh, that the conference was at has a heart to reach out to Slavic-speaking people in his hometown, Ulm, Germany, right around him, about 50,000 Slavic-speaking people live in the, the apartments right around the church, in, a, in a, like about a mile or two block area. So I called that pastor, I called uh, uh, another guy and, and just said, you know, here's what's on my heart to bring this pastor from Belarus out. He has a heart to reach out to these people and uh, he, he speaks the language. Uh, it might be a, a great opportunity and they were like, absolutely, please bring him. He came out, we went to the conference in Ulm. Uh, he, uh, it was God. They, uh, he and his wife, uh, uh, Ira, went out on the streets and immediately people would flock to them because they spoke uh, Belarusian, they're from Belarus, and people could understand them, and they preached the gospel, and people got saved. So, I mean, it was God, just boom, you just kind of, like you add water, and, and, and the gospel is, is, is produced. So, obviously, that part of it was already in motion, but he had also said that to be able to finance this, God had put on his heart to start a business, and we asked him, what kind of business are you talking about? What, what's on your heart? He goes, well, God keeps t- speaking to me about a used clothing business. And so you know, I just prayed about it, didn't say anything with anybody. And you know, Brian and I had talked about it because we, you know, we, we both knew about it and some others. But we didn't talk about it outside of this group and, and just kept praying about how God would lead in that area. And that was last May. Well, in August, when he went to uh, Ulm with me, uh, there was a man there, many of you know, uh, Vern Norton. We've worked with Vern Norton for a number of years now, and we've done uh, uh, f- food and clothing giveaways in uh, East St. Paul and other things that we've done. We've gone overseas with him and, and uh, just a number of things that God has led us to work together. He was at that conference. 
in the middle of the conference, he walked up to me and he goes, John, he goes, who's that man over there? And I said, well, that's Pastor Pavel. He's a pastor from Belarus. And he said, God just spoke to me and told me I'm supposed to help him any way that I can. Whatever I can do for him, I'm supposed to help him do what God's calling him to do. And he says, does that make any sense? And I just smiled and I said, yes, it does. But I didn't tell him what it was. Because you don't know. I mean, I, you know, we're going to talk about that today if I ever get to the sermon. But you don't, you don't always try to interpret what God says. You let God interpret it. You let God work it out. So I didn't tell him what I knew, that Pastor Pavel has a heart to start a, a clothing business, a used clothing business in Eastern Europe, and Vern Norton deals in used clothing. Interesting how God puts things together. And so this last spring, in like about March, when we knew we were going to be going to Belarus, uh, Brian and I and, and Pastor Karen went over for the 20th anniversary, uh, Vern called me up. I hadn't talked to him about this. I hadn't said any more about it. He called me up and he says, I hear you're going to Belarus. And I said, yeah, we're going to go over for the 20th anniversary. He said, are you going to see Pastor Pavel? And I said, absolutely. And he goes, well, God spoke to me at that conference. He says, I'm supposed to help him. He says, I want to go find out. Can, can I go with you? Can I go and spend some time with him? I said, absolutely. And so I said, we need to meet. We need to have lunch together. So we met together for lunch. <clears throat> And we were talking, and I said, Vern, I want to tell you the rest of the story. How many of you are like uh, uh, Paul Harvey, you know, the rest of the story? It's always fun to hear the rest of the story. You know, you hear what happened, but then you here's how it really happened. And I said, Vern, here's the deal. When you came to me last fall, and you said God spoke to you to help this man, um, I knew more than what I shared with you. But I just wanted to make sure it was God, and that it was still going to be in your heart, that you still want you know, that you, you know, you don't want to make people do stuff. And you don't, want to, you, don't want, you don't want to trick people into doing stuff. You want God to lead people. And so I said, if, you're, if it's still your heart to go and help him, I'll tell you how, what's, what's on his heart, and we'll see if it matches. I said, Vern, he, wants to, he believes God wants him to start a used clothing business in Belarus. And Vern goes, I'm in. Let's go. And so he went with, and we, we, while we were there, we met, we talked about the business, we talked about how God could do it, or how, you know, how, it would be, how it would look, here's the possibilities, so on and so forth. We came back from May, and what did we do? We still prayed. You keep praying, and you don't, you don't just jump at the first opportunity. You, you wait. You see what God, how God leads you. This is, this is a good testimony talking about how God leads you. Sometimes you have to just keep waiting. It sort of sounds like time between times, doesn't it? So we waited, we kept praying, and then uh, two weeks ago, we met with uh, Vern again, because we were like, okay, it's time, we need, to, we need to start moving on this now. Why now? I don't know, but it's now, let's, let's, get, let's start moving. So we met together, Brian and I, and Vern and his wife, Mary, met together, we began to talk about what God was, what was on our hearts, how different ways we could do things. Uh, he was going to check with his suppliers. He, he was going to check with some other sources. He was going to check with a possible shipping company, blah, blah, blah. I was going to check with some stuff. So we left that day, but as we talked about it and prayed, we felt like to set a goal of sh- sending our first shipment of clothing in eight weeks, which is extremely audacious. Eight weeks. Try to do anything big in eight weeks. 
Now, we didn't have any clothing. We didn't have any shipping. We didn't have, any, we didn't have anything. But it was on our heart to ship within eight weeks. Eight to 12. We'll give ourselves an extra month just in case uh, whatever happens. But soon, very soon. So we began to look. And for the first week, everything, everywhere we checked was a shut door. His supply said, no, we don't have anything. His, the shippers we checked into, won't, they won't call me back. I call them, I send emails, they won't call me back. And it's just like, you know, you ever, you ever that's a perfect testimony for time between times, isn't it? You're trying to do a good thing. You're trying to move in a certain direction. You're trying to, to serve God the way he's led you to serve him. And, what, and, and all, the doors seem, you know, all the doors seem closed. It's like, what are we doing here? It's just like banging your head against the wall and nothing's happening. So for the first week, it was just it was a little frustrating. But we kept praying, kept believing. Saw Vern, we prayed last Sunday night here, and we, I saw him again on Monday, and we, we talked about it, prayed about it some, and, and uh, just said, okay, you know, whatever God wants to do. Well, in the meantime, I was talking to Pastor Dan Dennison, and uh, just filling him in on what was happening here at the church. I meet with him on a regular basis, and just, you know, he prays for us, and Pastor Claudia, and... and uh, we uh, um, were talking about different things that were going on here. I said, oh, by the way, I said, we're, we're looking at sending a shipment of clothing over to Pastor Pavel. And I, he goes, well, where are you going to get the clothing? I said, I don't know yet. I mean, what do we do? In eight weeks, do we have a clothing drive? And everybody, you know, we're already doing the giveaway, you know. I mean, how do you do two clothing drives? And, and can we have enough in our congregation to raise enough for, for a 20-foot container? That's about 20,000 pieces of clothing. Do we buy the clothing? Do we, you know, there's all these options that we kept throwing out of what we could do. And I said, you know, so here's what we're talking about doing. And he goes, oh, he says, wait a second. He says, I was just talking to somebody up in Dresser, Wisconsin. They go to church up at St. Croix Falls. And they, she has a used a bit shop. It's friends helping friends or neighbor, what is it, neighbors helping people loving people. Something like that. He goes, she wants to get out of the clothing business. She might have some extra clothes. Why don't you give her a call? So I called her this week, and I said, Hi, my name is Pastor John Neesel from River Valley Saint, er, in Lake Elmo. Um, I was talking to Pastor Dan, and he said that you might have some extra clothing to give away. And she goes, Yes, you can have it all. <laughs> I said, Okay, so what are we talking about? Are you, you know, how much clothing do you have? She goes, I have enough for a semi-load. And I said, okay, 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 that's great, but, you know, I mean, I've been around to use clothing enough, especially the give and other things, and, you know, and, you know, how much of it is good clothing? And she goes, oh, Pastor John, she goes, we've already sorted out, and we threw away all the junk. This is all good clothing. She says, this is stuff I would give my family. This is stuff, we have, this is all clo- or clean, it's all been washed, it's all been, you know, she goes, it, it's already been sorted, it's already been boxed. How much do you want? And I said, let me come and look at it first. Before I, so I, I went up this week, and I went up, and I, I, I was looking around, and, and she has, about, it has some uh, uh, shelving, and it's about 40 feet long, but it's only not so deep, and it's not as... So it really is a 20-foot container, which was really on our heart to do anyway. It was really... Our heart was to do a 20-foot container rather than a 40-foot container, and I said, well, really what you've got here is about a 20-foot container. But I said, I'm pretty sure we'll take it all. And she goes, please. 
And it, there's all kinds of things as you start thinking about doing this process that start adding up. Now, okay, well, where do you get the clothes? Well, praise God, we have clothes. Where do you sort these clothes? Do we bring it here to the church? And, you know, I mean, a 20-foot container of clothing, 20,000 pieces of clothing, where do you, where do you sort that? Huh? It's done. Because we, we had talked about, do we have to rent a facility? Do we have to rent a storage shed or, a, you know, a, 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 what do you, you know, one of those, uh, a warehouse, a, a pot? What do we have to do? We have to rent something. Well, I started looking around, and the room she has is about 25 feet wide by about 50, 60 feet long. And I said, is there any way we could just sort right in here and then load right into a truck? She goes, yeah, just use this room. We don't have to rent a building. We have the clothes. We don't have to rent the building. And I said, well... The only thing I have to figure out now is a shipper. I said, I've been trying to get a shipper now for, for two weeks. Nobody calls me back. Nobody gets back to me. She goes, you need a shipper? And I said, yes. Do you know of a shipper? And she goes, yes. She goes, she goes I found a guy who is a believer, loves the Lord, and he will do it for dirt cheap. I said, well, does he ship over, overseas? And she says, yes, he does. She goes, he, I said, well, what are we talking about? How, you know, what kind of price? She goes, I don't know what the price would be to ship it to where you want to ship it to, but she says, I'll give you an idea of how cheap he is. She goes, I had a, a freezer that she had to, she had to ship to the East Coast, to New Jersey, from Dressler, Wisconsin. The guy came, picked it up, loaded it on the truck, shipped it to New Jersey, unloaded it from the truck. She said everybody she talked to to ship it, to do what she needed to do, was well over $1,000. He charged me 300 bucks. I said, you wouldn't mind calling him, would you? She goes, I'll do it. She called him, came back to me with some questions. Tomorrow I should have a, a bid on how much it costs to ship from Dresser, Wisconsin, to Gdansk, Poland, to the, to the uh, port in Gdansk, Poland, where they'll pick it up. Pastor Pavel and his team will pick it up. They've already on their side found a warehouse there is a warehouse in Warsaw that they can house it in. It's a secure, dry warehouse where they can actually pull a pod into, lock it up, and it's theirs. It's, it is completely safe. It's a Christian organization that wants just a small percentage, which makes total sense to, to store it there as long as they need it to. There's no, there's no far, uh, far end. So here's the deal. It's moving quickly. We have six weeks left. It may be within six weeks. It could be within the next ten weeks. We're not sure. Either way works. The timing of it works for us, for, for both sides to do it, either six or, or ten weeks. In the next six weeks to ten weeks, we need to um, sort the clothing. Because right now it's all boxed in women's winter, women's summer, women's spring. What we need to do is to women's T-shirts, size, whatever. Men's, jeans, size, whatever. And we have to inventory all of it because we have to do a bill of lading, a shipping bill of lading, which has to be very precise. And what's in each box, the, the box is numbered, here's what's in each box, so on and so forth. We're, you know, we're, we're in the process of thinking through that process. But we're going to have about three to five days of some very labor-intensive work that needs to be done. Now, the one thing is it's up in Dresser, Wisconsin. But this time of year, it's a very beautiful drive. <laughs> um, they have all the tables up there. They have everything we need up there to do uh, the sorting. The only thing we now need, we need to get a price on the shipping, 
but we need boxes to, 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 to box into, and we need to load the truck. That's it. And tape. Three M guys. <coughs> we, need, uh, we need boxing tape. But God's putting this together. What we thought at this point could have cost us a lot of money already has cost us nothing. God's in this. We're moving forward. But we're going to need a lot of help. Right now, I don't have dates. I don't have times. I don't know when. Plus, we also have the give going on, uh, which we need to, you know, work during, done during that time. But I wanted to put it in your heart. I wanted to, to share it this morning, let you know that there's an opportunity coming up within the next few weeks. And you'll be, we'll talk more about it on Sunday mornings. Uh, you'll be getting information about it. We'll, we'll set up a schedule that you, you know, can fit into your, you'll fit in, in it however it works in your life. And uh, so on and so forth. That we'll know the cost of the shipping coming up. Our heart, there, we're, our heart right now is to give them the first shipment. We supply the clothing. We supply the, the, the clothing for free. We supply the container for free. We'll ship it to them, and they will then sell it for a profit. Every subsequent shipment from this point on, they're responsible for. We'll do our part. We, we can do the sorting, you know, working on this side, but it's a business. They need to be able to... to uh, pay for the shipping, pay for whatever clothes need to be done, any costs, so on and so forth, that are associated with it. But our, our heart is to help them with the first one. It's good to sow seed. Amen? And to help people have a leg up. Help people. But then it will be a business from that point on for them. They will have to, we can do our part from this side. We can be legs. We can be ears. We can, we can work the arrangements to get the clothing and get it in the, in the, the container. But I, our heart is that it will be their cost they will take they will be responsible for the cost from that point on so hallelujah something to pray about god's good isn't he amen Amen. it's coming up be praying about it see how god would have you be a part of that and uh other things that he's already in the process of doing Amen? amen amen let's pray over the offering and we will give father thank you so much lord it's just overwhelming what you can do in a short period of time miraculously God, you're so good. You're, good. you're so good to those people. You love those people so much that you'll, you'll move people's hearts uh, thousands of miles away to help them on your behalf. Lord, thank you that as we help, as we put our hand to the plow, that we reap a blessing too. We reap uh, far beyond what we could ever sow. Thank you, Lord, you've put us together with them. Thank you, Father, for the apostolic call you have on us as a congregation. And that as we fulfill that call, that we'll see the needs being met there and here both. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Thank you, Father, for, for leading and guiding us every step of the way as we listen to your voice, you doing it through us in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. We've been talking about the time between times. We've been talking about how God says something. There's a time between when he says it and when he actually does it. We've been talking about why he does that. It's during those times that he deals with our character. He can either train things into us or train things out of us, whatever he needs to do. That there's always going to be a test and a trial. There's going to be an opportunity To have to believe whether God can do something, will do something, is good or not. 
There's always those kinds of things. This, this, it's life is full of it. I'm walking it right now with these projects. I mean, you just, you know, anything you do, doesn't matter if it's if it's a project you're doing or your kids. There's always a, an opportunity to have to believe that God can do what He says He can do. And so we've been talking about that, and uh, beginning this week, I want to start sharing some, uh, some actual stories of people in the Bible who went through this. Because as we look through the stories, we see resemblances to our lives. We see, we can pick out some, some, some nuggets of truth that happened to them and how they reacted to it, how, how God dealt with them, what, what kind of things they walked through, all those sort of things. And, it, and as we apply them to our life, we recognize what we're walking through and it helps us along the way gives us the strength and the at least you know the confidence that God's still in this and that he can do what he says that he can do. Genesis chapter 37 beginning with verse 3 very familiar story but it's a great example. To me it's one of the best examples of this time between times. Now Israel, Jacob Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. Very key. That's That's the center one. Joseph had a dream. That's how God spoke to him. In this case, God spoke to him in a dream. There's other cases where God speaks to people audibly. There's other times when God speaks to people through somebody else. There's sometimes when God speaks to people through the written word, through the spoken word. He might just speak to your heart. He may just say something to your heart. And you don't hear an audible voice, but he just, you just know something. Uh, that's predominantly how God speaks to me, is all of a sudden I'll just know something. It's like, how do I know that? How do I know that that's true? And, and if I wait and I watch what God does, he confirms that's what he said. But in this case, Joseph had a dream. Now this last week, and, I, and I've, been, I've been debating whether to tell the story because I... This was not one of those fun dreams that you go, gee, I wish, I hope God lets me tell this one. I'm actually going, gosh, I hope God never makes me say this. This is the second time in two weeks he's made me share this dream. Two weeks ago, or two weeks ago, middle of the night, I had a dream. Very, very disturbing dream. Horribly embarrassing, disturbing dream. Did not like it at all. In this dream... I was at the prayer meeting on Sunday night, this last Sunday night that we just had the prayer meeting and Robin was here and a bunch of the ministers around, a number of folks from our church were here. And I was in this dream a week before this this prayer meeting happened. I was in the prayer meeting. And in the prayer meeting, I was sitting on a toilet. You can see that why I would be uncomfortable sharing this story. I was even more uncomfortable in the dream because I'm in the middle of the prayer meeting sitting on the toilet. And it wasn't bad enough that I was sitting on the toilet, but I also... had my jeans around my ankles. (sighs) Ah. 
very uncomfortable, horrible feeling. I, I, I feel much like that now, just even talking about it. So here's why, you know, Joseph, obviously in this dream, in his dream, starts to interpret it in his mind thinking, oh, this is awesome. Because if you remember, the dream was that his brothers all bowed to him. Dude, that's awesome. That's a great idea. I think all my brothers should bow down to me. But here's one of the lessons you can learn about from Joseph is don't ever try to interpret your own dreams. Let God interpret them. How, well, what if he doesn't? He will. Don't worry. You'll know. Because in my dream, or in his dream, in, in Joseph's dream, it turned out much different than the way he thought it was going to turn out, didn't it? Praise God. In my dream, it turned out much different than what I thought might happen. Because what I started thinking might happen is, what's going to happen Sunday night that's going to expose me? I started, I started repenting of all my hidden sins. I started... I thought, God, is there anything I've ever done that might be revealed that night that might just cause me to be absolutely embarrassed in front of all my friends and my peers? Well, oh, God, please don't do this. You know, you know, I just, you know, sackcloth and ashes. Oh, whatever, God, don't make this, don't let this happen. But that night came, and the prayer meeting went on, and, and it went on, and went on, and the longer it went on, the better I felt. Because I thought, oh, maybe that was just the pizza. Maybe I just, you know, it's just one of those weird dreams that you have that, you know, where you can't get your locker open or you're walking down the hallway at school without any clothes on. I mean, all those weird dreams that people and never want to talk about. So the, the prayer meeting goes on and on and on. All of a sudden, at one point in the prayer meeting, Robin starts to pray out loud in English. And he says this, because we were praying for America. And this is kind of a Twofold, I wanted to share this to, to give you an example of why you should never interpret your own dreams, but it's also to tell you what, what got prayed out on Sunday night was, this is for real. Thank you. <laughs> it's all for real, Jen. Everything I say is for real. Almost. But Robin starts to pray out. This is what actually happened this, that night. He starts to pray, because we've been praying for America. We've been praying for the upcoming election. We've been praying for what God, you know, what's happening in America, the situation at hand, but also what God wants to do in this, in this country. And Robin began to pray this out. He says, those who have been trying to destroy America will get caught. Those who have a plan and a purpose to destroy and to tear apart this country will be found out. It'll be as though they're sitting in the middle of everyone with their pants down. And what they're doing in the middle of everyone with their pants down stinks. And they can't get away from it. Everybody sees it. And everybody smells it. Now at this time, I start to just want to melt. Because I'm thinking, oh God, here it comes. Oh no. <laughs> but we ended up praying on that for a long time. And it was basically, as we prayed it out, that God is going to root out those who have been trying to destroy America and they're going to get caught in Jesus' name. And they can't hide it anymore. They'll be caught red-handed-ish. 
Everybody will see it. They'll be exposed. Everybody will, and what they're doing stinks. And everybody will see it. Everybody will know it. They'll try to cover it up. But even the, the ones who try to cover it up will be exposed for who they are. Because we'll all know the difference. Everybody will see it go, no, that's what it is. You can't. Am I trying to? No. But, so then I'm thinking, why did I have this dream? I know why I had the dream because I know what I felt. I mean, I was caught. In that dream, there was no. How do you, how do you, how do you say, no, this is not what I'm doing, really. This is not what I'm doing. <laughs> I felt what they're going to feel. Hallelujah. Now, that's not how I would have interpreted that dream when I first had it, would it, is it? It's really good to not, you know, let God do it. Let God take his time to unveil to you what he's talking about in the dream. There have been a number of times God has spoken to things, you know, and I could, uh, long, too long of a testimony, I don't have any kind of time to do it in. God spoke to me one time about that I was going to be, uh, I was going to move into a new job at the church in, in River Falls. And that the job, and I was the youth pastor at the time, but the Lord spoke to me. And it, was, it wasn't in a dream. It was just, I was just, it was one of those things I just knew. I don't know how, how you just know it, but you do. It's hard to explain spiritual things. But I was in the middle of prayer, and, and the Lord spoke to me. And he says, he says you're going to, in, in, in a very short period of time, you're going to have a new job. And the job you're going to have is the administrator of the church. Now, the thing was, Abundant Life Church didn't have an administrator. Never had an administrator. They just didn't have one. They had pastor, youth pastor, some other people. They never had an administrator. We just never had one. The job, there was no job. There was no position. Anything. And so the only person I told was Deb. And I said, Deb, I, had this, I was in prayer, and, I, and I, the Lord spoke to me and said this. I don't know what it means. I didn't like it. When I first heard it, I didn't like it. I loved being a youth pastor. My goal at that point was to always be a youth pastor. I had no desire to do anything else. I didn't want to climb the church corporate ladder. I didn't want to you know, you know, do something for a while and then really go to a good job at this and then really get to a better job. I wanted to be a youth pastor all the time. That's what I wanted to do. So when I heard that, I was like, I almost I wanted to rebuke it. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. But it was strong. I knew it was God. And God began to speak to me about it, and I, I couldn't get away from it. And finally I said, okay, Lord, your deal, you do it. But I'm not saying a thing. I'm not saying a thing to Pastor Kevin. I'm not saying a thing to Pastor Dan. I'm not going to say anything to anybody because if it's you, you'll do it. And over the next two years, God began to work in my heart, showed me some things, taught me some things. I learned a lot just doing what I was already, being faithful what I was already doing, but I could never get away. I can tell you daily I thought of that word. Towards the end of it, I was like, it was like eating me up because I'm like, okay, well, when is it going to happen? I actually, this is one of the times in my life where I said, God, quit telling me things. If you're going to do something, just do it. You don't have to tell me. I don't, I don't need to know. But I didn't know what I know now that he uses those times to develop character. And I still remember the day. There had been a number of things that had happened at Abundant Life Church and, and some things had fallen through the cracks and I had never told anyone. Other than Deb, I had never said the word administrator. I had never said the word about a new job. I had never said anything to anybody. Just Deb and I, and we had prayed about it, and she talked me off the ledge a bunch, a bunch of times. But that's it. I had never said a word to anybody. And I was with Pastor Kevin, and we were talking about these things that had fallen through the cracks, things that weren't working the way they should have been. You know, we really, and he was saying, you know, we really need somebody to oversee these details. We need to see some, have somebody who can work through the projects and make sure all of it gets accomplished. 
We were actually on a golf course. It wasn't really super spiritual. We were on a golf course. We were at, at uh, Hollow. We were at Clifton Hollow. We were on the green right below the clubhouse, so it gets 14. I had had a beautiful shot into the fairway or into the, into the green, and it was just I was getting ready to putt. Pastor Kevin was putting for birdie. How do I remember that? Because this was like really important to me, what just happened. Not the golf game, but what was about to happen. And we were having this conversation. I'm going, I can't believe we're having this conversation. This is the conversation. This is what I've been you know, praying about, believing God for. This is the conversation. But I said, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say we need somebody to do that. I, I purposely did not do anything to make this happen. And he's getting ready to putt, and he goes, Huh, you know, Pastor John, he says, Would you ever consider being the administrator of the church? And I finally had the release, and I just felt like, oh. And I said, Yes, Pastor Kevin, many times I've considered it. <laughs> really? Well, I think that'd be a good job. Let's talk about it. He says, I'll tell you what, if I make this putt, And this is what we'll do. We just, I mean, he was joking. He made the putt, though. Praise God. You know, we didn't have to worry about it. But he said, he goes, do you want to be the administrator of the church? And I say, God just did that. It took two years for God to do that, to get me in a place where I was ready to actually step into that position, where I could let go of what I was doing and step into what I needed to do, for him to be ready to hire somebody to do that or to, you know, to have somebody in the church that did that, for, for, to see, for both of us to see the need and other people to see the need that, okay, this needs to happen. Two years. And I, if I would have made it happen, it would have been ugly. We've all seen that. We've all seen where people force their way into a position or, or talk their way into a position and, or, or they make something happen way before it's time, and it's always ugly. It just is. Joseph is a good example of that. God gave him a dream. God spoke to his heart and said, this is what's going to happen in your life. Now, he said it in a dream. He saw a dream of a bunch of sheaves bowing to him. He saw his mother and father. He interpreted that as mother and father because the moon and the stars, you know, the stars all bowed to him, but the sun and the moon bowed to him. And he interpreted that saying, well, you know, or actually Jacob interpreted saying, are you saying that I and your mother are going to bow down to you too? What happened was they became insolent. They were, they were angry at him. Who do you think you are that we're going to bow down to you? It's another lesson we can learn. Just because God tells you he's going to do something and that he's put a, a dream in your heart doesn't mean anybody else is going to like it. Usually other people don't like it. That's a very good indicator that God's speaking to you and leading you in a certain... And what do you do? Do you shrink back and quit, or do you keep moving forward? Joseph didn't have much time to think about it because the brothers took care of him. But it's interesting. I couldn't find anywhere in the New Testament... or in, I'm sorry, the Old Testament that said that, the, uh, that Jacob and his... And, well, obviously, Joseph's mother was dead bowed down to him. And Jacob says, are, are you, are, am I and your mother going to bow down to you? We were in a Bible study one night. And we were, I was talking about this very thing. And I said, you know, a lot of people interpret that, that, uh, uh, that Jacob and his mother, you know, the mother would, would bow down, but he couldn't have happened because Jacob and, I mean, because uh, Rachel was dead. And this person was looking in their Bible and said, they said, read, the, listen to this, listen to this. They said, 
that in Egypt at the time, Pharaoh and his wife were called the sun and the moon. Pharaoh gave over his whole kingdom. He says, the only one higher than me is, is, or the only one higher than you is me. He became the ruler of all Egypt. It was, I don't know that, that Pharaoh would ever bow to him, but he was certainly giving him honor, giving him that, that and, and it says in that commentary, it said the sun and the moon, that, that the Pharaoh and his wife were called the sun and the moon. So when he had a dream that the stars and, and the sun and the moon would bow to him, God fulfilled his word to Joseph. But don't try to interpret. Joseph made the mistake thinking, oh, I'm going to get elevated to the leader of my whole family and my brothers are going to bow down. And then he made the bigger mistake of saying something about it. Now, obviously, there's no, there's no indication of how he said it to his brothers and, sisters, or brothers and, and uh, family, but you see the ramifications. You see what happens because he did it. My guess is he said, hey, Reuben, guess what? I had a dream last night that you bowed down to me. Now, if I had said that to my brothers at 16, <laughs> at 49, if I had said that to my brothers right now, <laughs> you know, except I had 360. <laughs> I get it. 11 older brothers went, yeah, right, or 10 older brothers. Yeah, right, Joe. We're going to bow down to you. We'll see. Within a few weeks, they took care of Joseph. Goes on to say, and we're not going to read it. You've, you've heard this story so many times. They caught Joseph out in the, out in the, the, the grazing areas. And they said, let's kill him. We'll make his dream not come through. Let's kill him. Now, that's, that's a dysfunctional family. <laughs> if you think you come from a dysfunctional family... You know, at least he had one brother who was clear thinking. You know, the older brother was at Reuben, I believe it was Reuben. At least he was clear thinking. He goes, no, 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 let's don't kill him. Let's sell him. Let's sell him to the slave traders. Now, I've thought about selling my little brother to the slave traders a couple of times, but actually doing it, that's a whole other level. They sell him into slavery. I mean, you think, okay, so here God speaks to you. And then immediately it's met with opposition. There ain't no way in God's green earth I'm bowing down to you, kid. What do you mean, son? I'm going to bow down to you. I don't think so. I'm the father. Immediately there's opposition. Then there's real opposition where you're removed from the family. He was taken away from his family completely. Most people, most theologians believe that Joseph was somewhere between 12 and 16 years old when this happened. He was a young man. Was the, you know, and the argument is, is was, the, was the robe that was given to him a, a, a bar mitzvah gift? We don't know. So it could be 12, some people say up to 16. He gets sold into slavery. He does not see his family for another at least 30 years. How do we know it's 30 years? Because it says when he was released from prison, he was 30. Say he was 15. 15 and 30 is 15. So that's 15 years. And then he also went through seven years of, of good, good harvest and seven years of famine. 
And then there was a period of time before his brothers actually came. They had food for a period of time, and they didn't. Ha- and it, it was it took a while for them to finally run out of food. That they came, so it was probably thirty years that he saw his family. How many times in that thirty years do you think he looked at that dream and went? Especially in the first fifteen part, because he gets to he gets to Egypt. He gets he's sold into slavery. I mean, we can't even imagine that. We cannot even we can't even fathom to think of what you would be thinking as your brother, your family, sells you into slavery, and they actually do it. And every time the camel takes a step between your home and Egypt, you get farther away from what God said He will do. Seemingly, because every step that camel took took him closer to what God said He would do. In your life, stuff happens. And it, th- it seems like you're getting farther and farther away from the promise. It does. I've been there. I am there. It feels that, that week that I, we were looking, for, and every time that we looked, the, the door got slammed in my face. It was like, God, did you really say this? It really happens. You, it, there are things happen that make it, it just, it's impossible. It gets, it gets to the point where you think there is no way physically, naturally, that this is going to happen. It has to be God. If it's going to be God, he's going to have to do it miraculously. And Joseph, every time that camel took a step, got further and further from away from his understanding, the way he thought it was going to happen, the way that he had figured out that it was going to happen, he got further and further. And then he gets to Egypt and he gets sold again. He gets sold by the slave traders into slavery. And he starts working for a guy named Potiphar. And God starts to prosper him. Now, that's a good thought. you know. Hey, there are times in the time between times when you'll prosper. Even, when, even though it seems like slavery. You will prosper. And he started to prosper. He started to move up the ranks. He started to get more and more responsibility. He kept being given more and more things that, to be in charge of. And he started, making it, he started getting good. Now he's the head of all of Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was a, was a wealthy, uh, um, responsible, he had a lot of responsibilities in Egypt. You know, that's not a bad gig. If you're going to have to be in slavery, at least it's the best to be the head of the slaves in, the, in a, in a, you know, a, a Uh, uh, I'm thinking of the word administrator, but like a a ruler's home. Yeah, it's not so bad. It's not a bad gig. Until the wife takes his liking to you. So just when everything's starting to look good and this isn't so bad, I could live the rest of my life being the head of all these slaves and at least I get the cushy jobs. I could sit in the air. They don't have air conditioning, but I could sit where it's cool. And everybody else has to, this is not bad. And then all of a sudden, a coworker. Just put, well, let's put it into real life. A coworker stabs you in the back. A coworker says something completely, a complete lie, about you to the boss. Well, if you want to know, I'm trying to pick somebody who I can. I'll pick on Dip. No, I can't pick on Dip. No, because. The, the, the one that, that fits the best is, you know, they've been stealing from you. You know that, that, that somebody's been in the till, so she's the, the, church admin, or the church bookkeeper. You don't want to, that's why I can't talk about Deb. Who can I talk to? Somebody raise a hand that I can talk about you. No, see, George, I thought about you, but you're, t- Dick. Dick was pointing at Mary, so Dick. So, so, guy comes along, 
and says, hey, did you know that Dick Manns had his fingers in the till? You know, yeah, I saw him. I saw him do it. I saw him take the money out and put it in his own pocket. I, can, I, will, I will, in a court of law, I will, I, and they fire Dick. That's not fair, is it? Do you know that unfair stuff happens to you in the time between times? It's not fair. It didn't happen. He's an honest man. I know Dick. He's a very, he's shown, there's nothing in his wallet. <laughs> we all know Dick. We know Dick didn't do it. But this was the vice president of the company. And he just said, or she just said, I saw it. Dick did it. Sorry, Dick. You're out. Take everything. Box up everything. You're out of here. No, I'll tell you what. We're going to throw you in prison. Let's leave your stuff. You're going to prison. I didn't do anything. I didn't do it. It's not fair. God, can you imagine Joseph's the first day in prison going, God, this doesn't make any sense. Where is this in the dream? Exactly. You know, he doesn't show you everything in the dream. Praise God, he doesn't show you everything in the dream. But it's exactly right. Where is this in the dream? This is, all I saw was people bowing down to me. And all I'm getting is, I keep getting pushed. I mean, you think slavery is bad. Now we're in prison. And we're in prison, and apparently, because he spends the next 15 years there, ish, could have been longer, he spends the next 15 years in prison. Every day. Seemingly. I mean, Potiphar forgot about him. Who? Oh, yeah, Joe, the guy, that guy. Yeah, he's going to pay for the rest of his life down there. I'm never letting him out. Not for what he did. Every day, you seem to be getting further and further from what God said he'd do for you. Every day, you keep getting older. Every day, you keep getting further. Every day, people forget what you have done for him because you're, no longer in, you're not in sight, no longer in mind. But then you start getting favor again. You start working your way up the ladder. Pretty soon, he is the, he's the head guy in all of the prison. Now, in all these years, Joseph obviously had some skills. He obviously, but he also learned some things. He learned leadership. He learned humility. Because in a second here, you'll, you'll hear how he learned humility. He learned to serve. He learned, to just, he learned tons of stuff. And then all of a sudden, one day the Bible says, and Pharaoh had a dream. I'm going to stop there. Pick it up next week. We have to end on a good note. Now the thing is, Joseph is still in prison. But he doesn't know. I mean, he has no idea. The morning that that Pharaoh had a dream, Joseph woke up and he was still in prison. Everything, every day he got closer to what God said he was going to do rather than farther away. But it doesn't seem like it. In the middle of it, you seem like God has, has forgotten about you. God has let you, isn't, isn't going to do it. God's getting further and further away. But every single day, if you don't quit, if you don't stop, if you keep moving forward in your, in your belief in Him and your trust in Him, every single day, 
that you move forward, you get closer. No matter what it looks like. Amen. Let's stand.